Hey there, it's Alowin, better known as the voice behind Averin, with a word from our sponsor. This session brought to you in part by Fiverr, the best place to find freelance services for your business. Whether you're in the market for commissioned art, or even script writing, which I probably should have utilized prior to recording this so I didn't have to do it six times, you can find on Fiverr. It's a whole world of freelance available right at your fingertips with options for every budget. Find high quality services at every price point, no hourly rates, and just project-based pricing. You'll find quality work done quickly with the right freelancer to begin working on your project within minutes. Your payments are protected every time. Always know what you'll pay up front and your payment isn't released until you approve the work. And know that Fiverr has your back with 24 seven support. Not in the market for services, but looking to augment your own income? Fiverr is powered by freelance artists just like you. So sign up today at Fiverr.com. Hi everyone, this is That's JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! Welcome to the world of Selena. Hello and welcome to Queers and Spears Presents The Cap Creep Chronicles, a side quest series of 1v1s for our side quest campaign, Fodum Sept. Here we will explore the small town of Cap Creek on our heroes' first night together on their journeys. The night falls on the creek as the sounds of bugs and frogs sing along to the steady babbling of the creek and we descend down on our player character, the queen, Melanoe. What are you doing here on this first night away from home, here in this beautiful mushroom city that is got a soft glow all around you from the trees and the flowers that just kind of stay vibrant throughout the night and the sound of frogs and bugs and the ever-running creek outside uh, fill the air. For once, there is a certain peace in the air that Melanoa hasn't been confronted with in quite some time. It's been so long since she's last been outside the castle walls that at this time at night when everyone else else is presumably asleep and she's 
still awake. Um, it's a bittersweet sweet feeling. Um, she knows she should feel calm, and a part of her is. But then another part misses the chaos. And right now it's, she's realizing for the first time, it's really sinking in that she will be away from home. So I think that she's very restless on this night and just looking around and looking at the mushrooms and uh, looking at the flowers. Uh, is there like a river nearby? Um, there is. So there's the creek that flows kind of through the middle of uh, this town. Uh, It is uh, just as you kind of walk outside to kind of get some fresh air out of your mushroom um, home that has been uh, gifted to you by um, the lovely head ranger. Um, and, uh, as the rest of your party is kind of doing other things, either sleeping or kind of keeping to themselves, you walk out, you see the little, uh, creek that's just flowing through the middle, uh, just babbling away, uh, with, like, an iridescence to the stones underneath. Uh, you know that this creek, uh, runs directly to the moat that, uh, surrounds your home in Lenlock. Uh, so it's the same waters, and feel like there is this little bit of a connection as you're missing your home and missing your family. The peace is sometimes too much for somebody who has always been surrounded by chaos. And having as many children as you do, having a moment of peace is sometimes not exactly what a mother needs. It means that something's kind of going wrong. Uh, or your kids are into something they shouldn't be. And so sitting here and just seeing the same waters that you know are back at home, you just can't help but think of them. She sighs and she'd like to can I kneel down by the by the the creek and kind of like dip my hands in the water? You dip your hands in. It's cool to the touch, but not freezing. It's uh, nice and crisp, and it just effortlessly just flows through your fingers as you like dip your hands in. The iridescence kind of shines off of your skin from the river bottom um, as you just dip your hands in. I, I think that feeling the water on her skin, she, and being like introspective, she recalls a time, like she can't help but think of a memory of like one of taking her kids out as far as she can to the edge of the castle walls and watching them as they play near the water there and it's just thinking of those moments and it brings her peace and unrest at the very same time um 
there's stones underneath. Can I try to to grasp one of the stones? Absolutely. Uh, you reach a little further into the water. It's only about like maybe just up to your elbow or so. And you dip down and you grab one of these stones off the bottom of the river. It's smooth and, you know, ovular in shape. It has been probably in this river for a long time, just judging just based on how smooth and how slick it is. It could easily be skipped across a pond. It is uh, just got this like little iridescent speckle of blue that shines through it, almost as if the stone were a geode, but completely smooth. She looks at the stone and she remembers when Frigga was younger and she would take him outside and would teach him how to skip the stones across the the water. (laughs) And she she clasps her hands around the stone um, and she'd like to keep it. To bring back to him. Yeah. Absolutely. You stick it in your pocket as memories of you and your one of your younger sons flashes in front of your eyes as the sound of the babbling creek fills your ears. All you can do is just hear the distant laughter of your son as you both try and figure out how to skip rocks across this moving water together and him failing and you laughing and understanding and holding his hand and enjoying the time and the sunshine together. And as you slip it into your pocket, you're brought back into the reality of you're here, you're in Cap Creek, you're at least a day away from your family and heading in the other direction. Noe gets up from the ground and brushes her palms off on the armor she's wearing that she took with her when after Freya had given her an outfit change. <laughs> she brought that with her on this journey and she's going to kind of dust herself up and stand tall and look out into this beautiful, beautiful little town. Um, and she shakes it off and she's here for a reason. Um, and I think she'd like to kind of explore a little further now outside of, yeah. Absolutely. Are you looking to kind of like look within the town or like around the creek? Uh, where would Noe like to wander? Uh, she would like to wander like further into the town. Um, she would like to look to see if there's any shops still open. Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, and as you kind of, uh, you decide to not take the uh, slingshot lift to direct access through the city and instead kind of walk up the sides of the tree and see who's still awake at this hour. It's pretty late in the evening, probably about like 10.30 or so at night. Um, You still have plenty of time to make sure that you are uh, long rested for your journey to come, but still uh, afforded some time to explore. 
Uh, you take the winding staircase that kind of leads you up to these level-by-level level, uh, platforms of different mushrooms. Uh, go ahead and give me uh, either a perception check or you can do an investigation check. Hmm, let's see. Well, I've got a minus one to perception. <laughs> so let's do a plus one to investigation. And that like will give us odd. a little bit. Uh, we got a seven. A seven. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is. A, it is a, a. It is dark out. It is nighttime. Then you know that the sun is no longer shining through the canopies here of the trees. But uh, with all of the sunlight, uh, with all of the natural bioluminescent light that is coming off of the flowers and that decorate these trees and the uh, luminescence of the crick that is beneath you, it's not too difficult to find your way around and see who's open, especially if you're just looking for lights on in establishments that seem like they would sell things or would possibly be like hospital uh, hospitality service based or uh, offer some type of items uh, as you kind of look around uh, you start to uh, uh, kind of hear like a distant um, like clanging and like shoveling a little bit uh, uh, as you see kind of off uh, in like maybe about four stories high as opposed uh, off of the ground, uh, not nearly as tall as the trees are themselves. There is a light on in one of the uh, mushroom uh, locations that uh, you hear this all come, all the commotion coming from. You see the lights are on. Uh, and you see the door is also like cracked open. Her curiosity gets the best of her and she kind of cocks her head in this area and um she yeah she's gonna go forward and investigate it it's been so long since she's had things to investigate outside the castle walls that she's going to go towards the light the light source you start to head up towards this light source approaching the outside of this little mushroom you can start to kind of hear the like small amount of commotion that's happening in there it seems like there are people that are working inside at the moment you feel that as you approach the windows and even the crack in the door it is warm coming out of this mushroom uh, it is a nice consistent heat source a lot different than the cool crisp air around you outside uh, and as you kind of peek in and look inside you see uh, two bullywugs uh, that are currently hard at work uh, one of them is uh, manning the fire. They're kind of stoking the flames and adding some like burning material as well as kind of like pumping air into the fire to keep it going. As another one of the bullywogs is kind of like poking a sword like in and out of the like large opening in this forge that is built here in the um, this mushroom. Uh, it takes up about like a good chunk of the actual room. It's like all the corner of this actual like mushroom. It's the same situation as like the tavern before where there's like carved out pieces of the actual tree so there's more room than just the space of a mushroom but it's still this porch takes up a large amount of this area 
And as you kind of walk in, you uh, are noticed that you actually go a little unnoticed as they are kind of, they don't hear you enter as they're uh, next to this roaring fire, uh, pushing air into this fire and also like handling um, hot, uh, heated weaponry. Melanoa is transfixed by the way that they're creating these items and she's going to step further into the room and uh, curiosity lights her gaze and she she kind of f- flicks her gaze away from them are there are, are there are there already like made um, like items or weapons that they've already created hanging on the walls Yes, yeah, so there are a couple of items that are already created. It looks like a very like simplistic, basic weaponry of all different sorts. Uh, as someone who has seen battle and understands weaponry and like the differences between them, you see like short swords, great swords, axes, great axes, lances, tridents, a bunch of other things, uh, like easy, quick, sellable disposal. But you also see kind of hanging off of the ceiling on like a moving track other what looks like more specialized or possibly even customized weapons they look a little bit more intricately designed they have a little bit fancier hilts um a little bit more like etching into the actual um metal of the sword and you um can see those just kind of like hanging upside down from the ceiling moving very slowly uh, as they are like cooling and uh, kind of preparing for um, use for whomever has ordered these objects. Noe tears her gaze away from them and kind of clears her throat. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, you hear uh, the uh, banging of the sword kind of stop and you see one of the bullywugs, they turn around and they lift a big heavy black mask off of their face to expose their uh, face to you. Um, They look over to you with a little smile on their face um, with like like, uh, tired eyes, but a very kind smile. Uh, it's the this bullywog is a little bit shorter and stubbier than um, our other bullywogs that you have seen before, either in the tavern, uh, and um, they have like a dark, dark, dark brown skin. It seems like the skin is a little bit like tanned from working so close to the forge, as opposed to the like darker black or dark gray uh, skin colors that you've seen on other frogs. They have uh, splatterings of like a really vibrant red that goes across their face and their arms. Uh, And they have kind of like a loose t-shirt on and a leather apron uh, with large black gloves on. And they look to you, they put down the sword uh, nearby uh, the forge. Uh, They look to the other bullywug who is like pumping air into this forge and be like, you keep putting air in that. And they just kind of nod and look off. Uh, then this bullywog approaches you and is like, 
Hello, hello, welcome to Mignacky's Magical Wares. How can I help you? I was just looking around. Your your work is beautiful. Oh, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate it. I uh, take a lot of pride in um, these weapons, and uh, it's good to see somebody else who also appreciates it. I just, when I came in, the the craftsmanship, I I haven't seen anything quite like this in some time. Um, have you been doing this long? Mm, I've been doing this for as long as I can remember. My uh, my daddy, he, he also was a blacksmith, and he taught me everything that he knows. And, uh, and then his daddy before him was also a blacksmith. It's just, I just like dealing with hot iron and weapons. Well, everybody else just kind of like deals with what's going on outside. Well, someone has to make the weapons for the people to use them, don't they? Exactly. How are we <laughs> supposed to defend ourselves if we ain't got the weapons? You get me, you get me. Oh, of course, you are the ones who are the heroes. We are just the ones who use them. And she... <laughs> gleams uh, in like pride of like being called a hero and he's like well what can I do for you ma'am well I uh, I'm looking around now and I I was wondering if you could help me pick out a weapon for myself mm, yeah absolutely um, yeah, absolutely we can help you and he kind of like does a little like look up and down of uh, like what you're wearing like currently and what you happen to have on you. And he looks at you and he's like, uh, do you happen to have anything already? Uh, are you, um, what are you proficient in? Like what can I, like what, what interests you? Like what do you feel like you would do well with when it comes to weapons? Melanoic deflates a little bit at this question. Um, I, I don't know. Um, you see, I used to be able to be proficient with swords, but it's been quite some time since I've last held one. Um, but I guess we could start there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's go ahead, let's take this step by step. Let's get you all set up for what's out there and wherever you're headed. Let's get you, make sure that you are taken care of here. And he kind of like uh, guides you just behind the counter a little bit. And as he's like walking you back towards like a large collection of like different um simple uh, weaponry, uh, martial weaponry, um, as well as like finesse weaponry as well. Uh, he's leading you towards what look like uh, wooden like dummies for testing very uh, and like practicing very similar to what was out in your courtyard uh, when you were practicing out there with Encina. Um, and he pulls you back and he's like, all right, let's get you all set up. Now, you don't need to use these now, but you're definitely going to need these. 
and he kind of like shuffles through the pile of like armory and different things that are just kind of like piled up haphazardly uh and he pulls out uh at first he pulls out a shield this is a really beautiful uh shield that has some like intricacies of like little flowers and stars and like constellations that go around on the outside with beautiful little like decorated interior tiny little like yellow topaz like gemstones that kind of reflect the light and he's like well first things first you can't think about hitting anybody without thinking about protecting yourself first you're gonna need this and he hands you the shield of course she takes the shield and she puts it in front of her like she's testing it out and uh there's like a hint of a smile on her lips as she does uh wonderful um he cracks a smile with you as the smile kind of creeps on your face uh and he uh he kind of uh, you get a little bit of it actually give me an insight check I'm not going to give it to you. You got to roll for it. Oh, if you, if you insist, we've got an insight <laughs> for, I guess she's distracted by his handiwork. <laughs> Very fair. Uh, so you uh, kind of like look at him. He smiles alongside you uh, as you're kind of like putting this all together. You kind of get the inclination that he understands that he is arming a fighter and enjoying it like he's giving somebody who will use these weapons well uh to to somebody you know like he's used to giving out weapons to people who want them or like want to display them and stuff you feel like you're getting the sense of like this this stuff is gonna see armor this stuff is gonna see battle and he's excited for it she she um Finds herself like relaxing in his presence. Um, I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't ask for your name. Ah, yeah, no problem. My name is Mallow Mallow McNacky. Ah, uh, Mr. McNacky. She. And he kind of points off to the side as well to the bully who is still like pumping into the fire and also kind of taking over and sharpening this sword for him. And he's like, that over there, that's my apprentice, Webb, or Wes. Sorry, I always confuse his name. Wes, he's a, he's a great worker. He's really going to be a great uh, forger one day. But he's going to be over here working on the rest of our stuff while we just talk here. You may call me Nobe. Um, thank you for helping me. You as well. Uh, I love how this feels. And she uh, kind of like turns over the shield in her palms and is looking at the handiwork. Um, perhaps we can test it out a little. Absolutely. Um, and he uh, is going to just pick up a short sword really quick and like flip it around in his hands. Um, what is your AC when you equipped your shield? Give me one moment and I'll get you that answer. Is it 18? 
It might be 18, because I think the shield is going to give you a plus 2. Let me double check on that. It does! Same. It's a plus 2. So it buffs your AC to an 18. You see he takes out a short sword and plunges for you. And you lift up that shield, and it is quickly blocked off. You take no damage or anything, and you it's like a second nature for you. you. He pops up at you really quick. Something takes over in your mind, and you, like, raise that shield up in front of your midsection, and that short sword, like, just pops off the middle of that shield as he kind of looks to you with a smile, and he's like, You're fast. As are you. But and this... he kind of swings his sword around and then kind of like chucks it back into the pile of weaponry that was off to the side. Um, and uh, he kind of like flashes a little smile at you. Uh, and the comfortability around the weaponry and uh, the kind of the heat of kind of bringing you back into like battle really just kind of like it's not quite battle but it's like the beginnings of battle it's the preparations for it just really kind of brings you back to like 200 years ago when you were once fighting in this great war to protect your country and set things right when you used to have such mastery over your craft and mastery over your swords and playing and rediscovering these things just is hard to separate the memories of the person you used to be, the warrior you used to be, and the warrior you're now becoming. I'll take this one. If he, it's for sale, uh, of course. He looks at you and he's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And he um, then uh, gives a little thumbs up to you and he's like, now... This isn't going to be your main weapon, but I really feel like these come in handy whenever you're in a quick pinch and you need to hit something at a distance, but don't necessarily care about losing the weapon, but still want to do a lot of damage. And you hear, like, metal clanging and things moving and falling to the floor as he's digging in this pile, and he pulls out two hand axes and hands them over to you. This is different. <laughs> and she she uh, looks at the at the the curve of the axe. And as you said that there's there's like wooden dummies nearby. Yes, one hundred percent. She would like to throw one of the axes at the wooden dummy, aiming for its neck. One hundred percent. Go ahead and give me an attack roll. That's a 21 to hit. A 21 to hit? Uh-huh. Jesus. It, <laughs> you grab these hand axes, looking at the blades and looking at this, kind of tossing it in your hand. You remember and you hear in your ear, like, a, a, a faint voice of a woman who's like, strike true and strike 
for the weak points. And you throw this hand axe at this wooden dummy, and it perfectly lands, like, right on the collarbone of the neck, like, slicing into this dummy. And you see Mallow kind of, like, flinch. Like, very, very small flinch, but just is, like, taken back for, like, half a second. And he's like, well, damn. That's a definite hit right there. I think those are gonna do you nicely. Nana is, like, breathless. As she strains up, like, she almost can't believe she did it. That will do in a, in a pinch indeed. <laughs> she laughs a little bit. Uh, there's just some axes you've made. Yes, these are some axes that me and Wes made over here. They're uh, real beautiful stuff. The uh, hilt is made of pure uh, chrome, and it's wrapped with this beautiful, beautiful leather. Uh, and it's nice and beautiful on the hilt. It's beautifully polished. Um, now, we gotta talk about your main weapon. She's a little, like, anxious. <laughs> and perhaps that shows on her face. Almost trepidation. Um, and she lowers the axes that she had just been testing out, along with this, the, the shield that he had given over to her. Um... What did you have in mind? Well, darling, that's kind of up to you. I've got a lot of options for you that I think would be a good fit. And he uh, kind of goes over back to that pile uh, and starts picking out a couple of different things for you to try out. He pulls out... Uh, he pulled out five different weapons for you to choose between and test out here on the dummy. He pulls out a beautiful, like, dark, dark blue, shiny metal trident. He pulls out a long lance that has a beautiful sharp point at the end pulls out a glaive, which is similar to a lance, and it is actually what your son holds, that is his main weapon, uh, what you saw at his bedside uh, after you left. Um, it is got a curved blade on the end, like, uh, like a lance, but more with a curved, longer blade. He also pulls out a great axe as well, a big, hefty great axe with two uh, blades on either side, and then pulls out this very intricately designed greatsword as well that has some etchings down the side, as well as some little like divots in the hilt as well. And he's like, well, each one of these. These will all do you well in combat. These are all nice, big, heavy hitters. I think it just depends on uh, how you want to fight and what feels best to you. He kind of looks to you and he's like, so, which one do we want to try out first? So, um, uh, she, she definitely, like, eyes all of the weapons. Um, she, like, reaches out towards the trident first and kind of, like, goes her fingertips along the, the ridges of the, um, the sharp parts. <laughs> um, but she doesn't pick it up, and she, 
her eyes immediately go to the great sword, but she goes to almost pick up the weapon that she's seen her son use so many times. And she goes as far as to wrap her, her hand around the hilt of this, the weapon and almost left it. And then it immediately feels wrong. Um, she lets it kind of fall back down and tired of picking up all these other weapons. She, she looks to the one that has her attention perhaps the most. Um, I would, I would be interested in trying out that one. She points to the great sword at the end. May I? Of course. And he see he goes over to it, and with a, a little bit of a heave, he kind of easily picks it up and brings it over to you, presenting it to you, holding the hilt and the blade in his both of his hands, and uh, passing the blade over to you. It's, when you get it up close, it's very beautiful, and you can see that there are different little, like, actual notches in this pelt now that you're up close with it. It seems like you could easily, like, slip a stone or a small, like, piece into each of these things, and they would not uh, cause any kind of, like, distraction or a slip of the grip as you're using in, in combat. Um, and you kind of hold it, and you, uh, as you pick up this great sword, you, um, will you give me a charisma saving throw? I sure will. That would be a 20. A 20. A dirty or, or... A dirty or 20. I got a, a 14 plus 6. Beautiful. Okay, okay. I was about to be a nat 20. How dare you? Um, <laughs> uh, you pick it up, and uh, it is there is no, like, curse or anything crazy or attached to this sword. But as you pick it up, you are overwhelmed with emotion uh, as you pick this sword up. The great sword was your weapon of choice almost 200 years ago, so it feels right to go back to it in some way. And as you hold the weapon in your hand, you kind of inspect it. You are brought back to a moment 200 years ago, back before you you were married to the king, to King Eros, before he was even a king, he was just Prince Eros back then. And he was a lot more younger, a lot more dashing, a lot more caring. Um, still very much a uh, very pompous uh, and charismatic man, um, but you still uh, saw greatness and potential in him. And you also uh, remember and see next to you people that you fought alongside with on this journey as well. And one of those people is a woman by the name of Jan Searheart. Jan Searheart was a woman who went into battle with you all 200 years ago and helped secure a big fortress on the border of Puppet and Sunmore, and uh, held that fort down for you all, while you all dug deeper and deeper into Puppet to try and end this war and take your lands back for themselves. But you hear Jan's voice in this moment as she's like, yeah, of course, you gotta pick the bigger one. It does more damage. You have a better opportunity of swinging and hitting and hitting something and hitting it hard. You gotta just do it. You know what's right. 
and you just see this woman kind of like staring back at you, like a beautiful complexion and a soft smile. You know this woman to be a wonderful, wonderful warrior, just as good of a fighter as you are, and has been a very close friend of yours for a long, long time. Melanoe, as she holds this sword in her hands and remembers this, uh, she is a little teary-eyed, and she's looking at the divots and the construction of the sword, and nothing has felt so right in regards to the weapons as it has right now. And she's going to lift up the sword and look at the dummy, and uh, she all she's thinking about is Jen's face. Um, as she lurches forward and strikes the great sword upon the dummy. Incredible. Roll to hit. That was a seven to hit. <laughs> a seven to hit. Um, go ahead and as you start to swing this sword, you feel like the presence of a hand on your shoulder helping you swing this true as as Jan did for you as you were testing out which weapons to bring into battle years and years ago. Go ahead and roll that with advantage. Oh. And that would be a 20. Okay, that is beautiful in all ways, shapes, and forms. Um, you feel the presence of your long like long gone friend Jan, you know, who fought with you years and years ago to help secure your victory and secure your win and helped secure you and and who you are and who you were always meant to be. You hear her words strike true and strike hard as you feel the little hand, a ghost of a hand on your shoulder guiding you. And you strike this drummy in the exact same spot that you had planted that hand axe and continue to carve through this dummy, slicing it in half diagonally through the torso. And uh, <laughs> uh, Mallow kind of looks and he's like, well, I'm glad I got a couple of those in storage. That's some great swinging, kid. Her shoulders shake. And if you're just looking at her from behind, you would think that she's crying. But then she starts to laugh. And she swings the sword in her hands as she turns around toward him. You could add that onto my bill as well. I will take this one. He uh, nods and he's like, Lady, it has been an honor watching somebody who actually knows what they're doing swing a sword. That dummy has been here for 20 years, unstruck. It is an honor to just go ahead and give you these things. If you ever need any kind of customization on this, though, feel free to come back, and that's what I'll go ahead and charge you for, for anything extra. But for now, please, take this as my gift. Oh... Mello, you, you don't have to. Thank you. Really, thank you. 
It's my pleasure. I am excited to hear of the stories that these swords and shields see. And you gotta just come back and tell me. You have my word. I will come back and update you as we go. <laughs> and she, um, before she moves, can I, like, try to sneak, like, 50 gold onto the counter without him looking? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. You could do a stealth or sleight of hand. Okay, let's see. Let's do, um, hold on. I'm trying to see what's going to work in my favorite. Let's do stealth. Okay, that is a 15. Incredible. I'll roll a quick perception check for him. You, uh, as you are um, swinging around your sword and getting used to the feel of uh, wielding this big heavy sword once again and balancing it with having this shield at your side, you sneak 50 gold onto the countertop in a nice little hidden spot where it's not quite obvious, but you know that uh, Mallow will find it. And it does go undetected, uh, as he does not say anything for uh, about that happening. And he uh, looks at you as you're leaving his little mushroom blacksmith location, and he's like, Now, anything you need, you just come back, and if you need more practice, I'm always here. I know you've got places to be, you've got things to go, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we were told that y'all are taking off tomorrow. But if there's anything you need before then, you know where I'm at. I will keep you on my mind. You and Wes. And she looks over at Wes, who's probably still just working. Yeah, but she he, makes a point uh, smile. She, uh, he lifts uh, the uh, little black hood off of his face as well, and you can see um, a, another little uh, shorter bullfrog with some orange splotches on his face. A lot younger in appearance compared to Mallow smiles uh, a little toothy grin at you um, and does a little cute little wave that reminds you of a wave that one of your smaller children would do um, when you were like leaving to go on a small like errand or something like that. Um, and you gather your newfound things and head back into the night of Cap Creek. Is there anything that you would like to do with the rest of your night? Yes. Um, she would like to find a, like a secluded area, whether it's by the creek again or like something very scenic. Uh, what's nearest to the town, but still far enough away from people. Mm -hmm. Perfect. So you kind of follow the creek a little bit upstream, trying to put a little bit of distance between you and the town, but enough that you can still see the glowing uh, uh, mushrooms in the distance to give yourself a little bit of privacy, surrounded by the forest and the flowers and wildlife just kind of crawling and flying around you. It is very beautiful out here. It's been so, so long since you have been this far out into the country and you remember it being this beautiful and being this wild it's a lot more wild than you remember but it's still just as beautiful it's she is at peace now more so than when the night began um holy she is still holding the great sword in her hand and um 
she's looking at the hilt of the sword and just her heart feels warm looking at the sword and feeling it in her hands and remembering Jan's voice in her ear and it, it never went away and never she never stopped hearing it but now perhaps tonight she's hearing it louder than ever before and um she remembers all of the people who she's doing this for for Jan for Felix for her children for herself and um as she's remembering all of this, she remembers the stone she had put in her pocket. Um, and she takes it out, and she presses the stone that reminded her of her son, Friga. And she puts it in one of the divots of the hilt. It fits perfectly in the exact slot of his birth order. She... She, um, her eyes are welling up with tears again. She runs her fingers over the, the stone, and she holds the sword close to her chest. And she's just silent for a long moment. Um, at peace. And then the peace turns into longing. And she slowly hooks the sword to the hilt at her waist. And she pulls out a different stone from her belongings. The sending stone. And she'd like us to send a message, if that's alright. Absolutely. You can go ahead send a message. To the other person who owns the other half of the Sending Stone. General Felix McCuster. Is there a character limit to the Sending Stones? So, uh, I believe it is 25 words with Sending. But it is a, uh, I treat Sending and Sending Stones on a kind of like a walkie-talkie kind of situation. So it's like 25 words one way, and they can send you 25 words, and you can always respond back and forth. Hmm. Let me think. She's like thinking about the message she would like to send, and she's staring at the stone in her hands. Okay. She says, It is only the first night, but I already missed the sight of all of you. And she debates writing out that I miss you. She does. How are you doing? And she said, send. You homesick and away from your family for the first night in over a hundred years. You, for the past 200 years, all you've known is 
raising your children with honor, with dignity, and teaching them basic morals and how to be good people like you know how to be. And you just are thinking and you send this message off to Felix. And a couple of minutes go by, just a few brief moments, but it feels like an eternity as you're waiting for this message to come through. And he, you get a response back that says, my queen, all is well here in the castle, but I do miss your presence. The children, they all miss you and wish you well. We talk of your adventures daily. She finally lets a tear fall, but she doesn't bat away when she's not ashamed of it. If anything, it cements her desire to be on this trip to begin with. Um, she writes back. I am glad you were there with them so that you may all keep each other company. Remind them that this is only the start of adventures to come. And then send my love, Felix. And then she sends it. You send that off now, expecting this couple of moments delay between messages. So it feels like a lot less time until the next message arrives. And Felix says, The kids' days are filled with laughter and stories of how great their mother is and how great she will be, and all the things that she will learn on this journey. We are all very proud. She smiles carefully, um, and all she replies back this time, and perhaps her final message of the night. Remind yourself to have days of laughter as well, General McCuster. Good night. <laughs> you get a quicker response than the past couple of responses have been. And all it says is, my happiness lies with you. She writes out, and I with you. And she thinks whether or not to send it or not. <laughs> uh, She doesn't, because that is a message for another night, and tucks it back in her, her pocket. You tuck the sending stone back into your pocket, knowing that the ones you love and the ones that you care about all have you in their thoughts and in their dreams 
and wondering what grand adventures you are going on and what amazing stories you'll bring back to tell them. And this is where we're going to end our 1v1. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank, <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in to this side quest for Fodam Sept, the Cap Creep Chronicles. We will be doing one of these with each of our player characters, uh, and these will more than likely be released after our uh, full campaign has already been posted as well. Feel free to follow us on all of our socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram and everything in between. Uh, feel free to follow us and give us a listen to us on all of our streaming platforms, and we will see you all next time friends bye, bye.